When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast with me, James Gordon. I'm joined this week by Josh McAllister. Later in the show, George Riley catches up with Ryan Brearley, who talks about um, his successful start to life at Salford. Um, he touches on some pretty not nice stuff that happened to him while he was at Toronto as well, so it's definitely worth a listen. Um, before that, me and Josh will have a bit of a knock around about what's been going on in rugby league circles following last week's action. Look ahead a bit to, to this week's action. Um, I suppose once again, Josh, the, the the main talking points of the weekend have surrounded the disciplinary. So just a quick run through of last week's winners and losers. Warrington beat Casford, Wigan beat Leeds, St. Helens beat Hull, Huddersfield beat Hull KR, Catalan had a narrow win over Wakeford and Salford beat Toulouse. It was that Hull game really against St. Helens that was live on Channel 4, um, which generated probably the two big talking points of the, of the weekend the yellow card for, for Connor Wynn and then of course the red card for, for Luke Gill what have you made of, of all that? Yeah same as last week with the disciplinary uh, Luke Gill's red card it, there's been loads of talk on social media I do think if you received the full eight match ban it would have been um, harsh uh, I, I saw that he was defending himself on, on his on his Twitter account but you, it's difficult He's, he is charging down the kick isn't he you can see that but is it is it is it natural to, to lift your boot as well? And and then he's obviously trying to get up Johnny Lomax, which clearly RFL are putting us... Uh, no, no one can touch any injured players because Huddersfield Danny Levi has been handed a two-match ban for picking up an, op- an injured opposition player. So I don't, maybe that's something the players haven't been told because obviously it's happened a couple of times just this weekend. I had no doubt it was a red card. Like For me, there's no doubt it was a red card. Because of the high... Yeah, just what? because Unnatural. I just feel like I just charge down with your hands, but I'm not, not saying feet. that he deliberately, you know, he did, he wanted to hurt him or anything like that. But you just can't be leading with your foot up like that. I just don't think that's. So I, I had no, I, you know, it was a red card all day long for me, and I, I was amazed anyone thought otherwise. To be honest, but which many did? Yeah, I mean, the five ma- five matches is a long time. I think you know, um, and obviously there's the two incidents, and we don't know the breakdown of. Of how much is for one incident and how much is for the other, um, but five matches is a long time, um, I think for that. But I think a fifth of the season. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think clearly there's a massive, you know, just done a piece on the site about it. it there's a massive thing in rugby league at the moment, and a massive issue that isn't necessarily anyone's fault, but the RFL are under a lot of pressure. They're, they're facing legal challenge from former players regarding concussion and, and things like that. And that has the potential to be catastrophic for rugby league. Like, let's not make any bones about that. If if that goes the wrong way for the RFL, it could have massive consequences for everyone. So they've got to be, they've got to be very careful about what they do. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of this disciplinary and player welfare and the bans because the RFL have got to be seen to be taking action when incidents like this happen. And the problem is, is that. That's the little bit of the politics side, isn't it? That maybe fans don't want to see or don't, but that is the reality of the situation. Um, it'll be interesting whether it calms down. Um, Did they used to have a show that broke down disciplinary hearings and and explanations? I think that would that would settle a lot of the fans' debates if they just sat on a YouTube video for half an hour with someone from the panel saying this is why he's banned. Well, Rod Studd, you know, has highlighted this on Twitter all week that they did. They were starting to do that pre-COVID. If you, if you look back at the dates of when they were doing it, it was literally at that start of that COVID season and then COVID happened and then, you know, obviously it's not it's not come back. But I definitely think that that's, you know, something that maybe needs to come back. But then at the same time, I still feel like even if you explain to some fans this is what the decision is, I still feel like they would, compl- you know, complain about it. The, the yellow card for win... I thought a yellow card at the time was a little bit harsh. But then, at the same time, I could see why they give it. Because ultimately, the player you know, landed virtually on his face. And pretty much... I mean, I think I think the whole, the whole rule with taking players over the horizontal has gone ridiculous. But like I say, that all comes down to the fact that they've got to be careful with player welfare and, and head knocks and whatever... I thought at the time the other card was maybe slightly harsh, but I could see why it give it. I thought it was stupid of Hull to get in that position anyway because he was wrapped up anyway. They didn't need to lift him. But then at the same time, there is a bit of a question mark over whether Wellsby left, you know, lifted his leg up or allowed himself to fall in that way. And and that was almost acknowledged in notes from the yeah. from the disciplinary. And you sort of think, well, if they've acknowledged it in the disciplinary, could they have taken action against Wellsby for, you know, putting himself in that? position um you know there's a lot of questions and and i'm not sure what the answers are but i suppose you know we've said it in the office this week part of the issue you've got now is that monday they announced the chat the match review panel announces what it's found so that's monday we're talking about it tuesday they have the hearings in the tribunal so that's tuesday we're talking about it and then wednesday we have appeals and whatnot and we're talking about it again and then before you know it it's the next round of games um it's the discussion isn't it between the games now at the minute yeah and, and i suppose you know you know, you might say that we're as guilty as anyone. Well, we're talking about it now, but we can't True. not talk about it because everyone else is talking, talking about it. Yeah. So, um, what else did you think over the weekend? What what other results or what other things in games that happened that caught your eye? Uh, the the Wigan game for me, obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased here, but I think Wigan look completely different under Matt Pete. Uh, I think they just look creative. I think under Adrian Lamb, no disrespect to him, they just looked. I don't know. They, did it look creative? Like they had any sort of um, chance to just play how they wanted to play whereas Jay Field sorry we found out it's, it's not Jay Field it's Jay Field Jay we found Field, out yesterday right. Drew's found out another one as well go on yeah. well Willie. I don't know what it is no it's, it's not Issa, yeah it? it's not Willie Iser it's Willie Issa right. so there's two new ones for us this week I think Wigan look completely different this year and I think they're looking um, 
the best they've looked in a, in a long, long time. There was a, I seen a few people complaining about some of the decisions in that match, and I don't know whether I slept through the match or something, but I couldn't remember it being particularly thinking anything was particularly controversial. That try. Um, was it Field that scored the try where the pass went behind him and he sort of flicked it over yeah, to Yeah, Jake, Jake Bibby kicked it. Yeah. But he kicked it. But that was fine. The one I thought where Walker spilt the ball backwards and Powell touched down, I wasn't even sure Powell knew that was happening. I thought, I mean, uh, they, no one else seems to think, so I'm probably wrong. But it just looked to me like Powell was putting his hand on the ground and it just so happened that the ball ended up there. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he even thought it was going to come out. Um, I remember Ryan Hall scored a try once in the World Cup and it was the, his finger... Now, if that happened in this day and age, that'd be given. But I think back then it wasn't. And yeah. I'm pretty sure it was, a, it was one of the big games in the World Cup. Warrington beat Cass. It was a pretty ordinary match, that. We should talk about Wizzy Rascal. Um, they did ask me to drive it, by the way. Um, <laughs> You're the fifth. Yeah. Um, they did ask me to drive And I bang up for driving it, by the way. But um, that was... That was cool. And I, I, it's had so much traction. Like, I, you know, I, I obviously do a lot you know obviously work a lot in sport you know I'm quite big on digital and, and sponsorship activation and stuff and for that sponsor right so they've come up with this idea Warrington the sponsor's all over it it's been on Sky BBC ITV everyone's talking about it had 2 million views it's like in terms of providing value for a sponsor you know you couldn't get any better than that and I think that's one of the things that maybe maybe fans or, or, or some people don't really appreciate that something as small as that you might look at it as a gimmick but that could be massive for Warrington now like imagine when they're trying to sell a sponsorship deal now so they can say right look look what this happened yeah, look what we did here I know we can come up with another idea like that you know um, will he be delivering the ball for the grand final that's the big question I mean what do you think Warrington what we've seen for the first two matches for the grand final so it's early I still think the pack's a bit I still think the pack can be bullied a little bit Castleford wasn't at their best as well, were they? But let's be honest. But did have a mo- did have a few moments in the game where they did get on top of Warrington in the pa- in the forwards. Yeah, yes, I, that's where I think Warrington lack a little bit in the forwards. Uh, give them a few more weeks. I think they'll definitely be competing. I know there's a little um, there's a little bet going on in our office. I think James Messenger thinks it's gonna they're gonna make top four, and someone else in the office doesn't think they'll even make top four. So uh, mm-hmm. be interested to see how that goes. I think twenty quid's on the line there. Twenty quid, right? Flipping it. Last of the big spenders. The I think the thing the good thing for Warrington's point of view though is that they've won two out of two yeah. and they've not been at the great best. At, you know in either of the two matches and that's got to be a good sign for them that they're still winning matches you know they won that Casper match pretty comfortably even you know missing a few players as well let's not forget um, that's right champion sides still win games not at their best I think that's what shows what a good side is say Ellen's probably didn't play their best I mean no I know the conditions were great. But they didn't play their best against Hull and they still put in a pretty dominant performance and a pretty dominant win. So I think the best teams, you're right, play when they're not at their best. So good times for it. We've been treated to four matches live on TV in the opening two rounds. So that's eight of the 12 matches so far being live on TV. It's a bit of a dearth this week because only two are on TV. One of the games that was on TV last week was the Catalan game against Wakefield. Now, I must confess, I saw the lineups before this Catalan Wakefield game and I thought Catalan were absolutely going to hammer them. And they got up to what was it, twenty four ten or something like that. And Wakefield, to be fair, did they almost had? I wouldn't say Catalan were clinging on at the end, but Wakefield did really well to stick in the game. And actually, some signs of encouragement for for Willie Poach in there in some of them younger players. I quite like Harry Bowers the way he was playing around, you know, around the play, the ball. You know, obviously I've watched Brad York Walker for years and years. I think he's a really good player if you could turn him into 
you know, he's a bit unfortunate that he's he, for me he'd be a great ball playing loose forward, but obviously no one really carries ball playing loose forwards anymore. Um, they've lost two games Wakefield, but only by six points in total. Um, but I suppose when you're at the bottom end of the table, being a plucky loser is not enough. You need to get the points on the board, don't you? Yeah, uh, the two players mentioned there as well, uh, Walker and I think Jowett. I think they got minus steel points as well, um, two and one. I think with Sam Tompkins collecting all three. So promising signs for them. I saw a couple of fans saying they'd rather play the youngsters who want to play for the shirt week in, week out than a couple of the big mm. names that missed out. So promising. I think I do think they'll still be at the end, bottom of the table, maybe alongside Toulouse, fighting for that last spot to remain in Super League. But promising signs because Catalans aren't exactly... It's not an easy place to go to, is it? And they're not exactly um, an easy team to beat. Mm, Huddersfield had another solid win over Ulcar. I think they'll, they've won two out of two. I think they'll be quite happy to just stay under the radar while everyone else is talking about everyone else Salford battered to lose 38-12 in, in monsoon-like conditions at the AJ Bell another bad defeat for Toulouse because with all due respect to Salford and you know I have to say I think Salford have been great first two games and I think Paul Rowley I think I think I, I, I fancied Salford be down I think Salford be comp- I'm happy to say that now after two games I think Salford will be completely fine I don't think they're going to be near um, the, the relegation trouble Um Toulouse have signed Oliver Ashall Bock from Huddersfield. They've said that Corella's never going to play again. Um, it sounds like they've chucked a little bit of money at Ashall Bock. They've paid a fee for Huddersfield. They're obviously off, up in his wages and stuff. Sylvan Hills is a, a good guy, a good coach, and he signs players that he doesn't just sign players for the sake of it. He signs players like, you know, I remember talking to him about Chris Hankinson and he'd said he'd played, they played against Hankinson years ago and he'd admired him since then and, you know, his style. So I don't think it's a case of. A panic buy in terms of bringing Ashall Bot in, um, but is Ashall Bot going to be enough? Is play, players like him going to be enough to help drag Toulouse away from from the bottom? Yeah, it's a big ask, isn't it, for him? Uh, Toulouse are definitely still a couple of players short, aren't they? Let's be honest. Um, I think they played Joseph Paolo in the halves, and I think Chris Hankinson played in the halves in the first game, so they're clearly still missing that half back. But if they can get the half back in, and then you get your one six seven, then you've got your nine in. Uh, white is it? Then you, there's your solid, your back line, and that's what every that's what makes a successful team is how strong your back line is, and that and that structure. Uh, but I definitely think there are just still a few players short, aren't they? There's a lot to ask for uh, Ali Ashwell Bot. Yeah, I think I think obviously it sounds like they've obviously got the money there because they've put it in. I suppose you could question why didn't they try and spend it a bit sooner. Um, you know whether they'll look at Australia for players you know it may be seen I suppose I think they've got St. Helens next week as well haven't they so they've got Warrington this week St. Helens next week so they might look at this two week period as a bit of a f- free hit for them Is it, it might be Wigan I should have looked at this but I'm just, they, they play Wigan Definitely soon as well Wigan, yeah, start um, March. so they might have looked at this sort of period as um, as like well you know we probably wouldn't ex- you know we wouldn't expect to beat Warrington we wouldn't expect to beat Wigan or St. Helens or whoever it is coming up so you know, yeah, they probably lost two games at the start of the season that they would have. Yeah. I, I think Huddersfield at home and Salford away. I think they're two games that before the season you'd have thought, well, we could give that a go, and they've lost both lost both of them heavily. So maybe they're looking at this next two, three, four weeks as a way of rebuilding and, and getting you know up to speed. Um, so we'll have to see how that pans out. Um, in the championship, the um, Storm, Eunice, Dudley, Franklin, whatever it was. Um, Eugene, my partner, Eugene, said it was. Eugene, Nearly put that in a piece, however. Eugene. Um, <laughs> that wiped out a few games, but there were wins for Newcastle, Featherstone, Lee, and Widness. Um, 
witness beat Dewsbury on Monday Night Rugby League on Premier Sports. So a bit of a hand, but fairly expected wins there, I suppose. Um, Newcastle, Fenton and Lee all full-time. She'd expect them to, to win. But Lee, I suppose Lee's result at York, 40 points to four, is a uh, bit of an eye-opener. And I think Lee, you know, people have been a bit negative about Lee, I think. You know, they lost to Featherstone, but they've pretty comfortably beaten Bradford and... Um, and York, and York York would be thinking they were on the same page as Lee, probably with the money, with the money and the facilities and the sort of team they've got. They should be competing a little bit better. They might not, they're not as good as Lee. They might not think they're as good as Lee, but they should be competing a little bit better than conceding forty points and only scoring one try. I know you'll be dying to talk about witness title yeah. contenders. <laughs> um, Simon Finnegan played it down very nicely. I thought he did and, on uh, Premier you know, Sports. Let, let's not, you know, I think witness had a good start to the season. Um, but it's between Feverson and Lee, isn't it? Realistically, and it's going to pan out. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out over the season. Um, the Championship have a week off this week because it's Challenge Cup. Um, in fact, we'll run through the Challenge Cup games first. Batley play the Royal Navy. That's live on BBC Online. Um, Doncaster play Whitehaven. Huddle at Club Parkside um, play Sheffield. A bit of a banana skin for the Eagles. Workington play Dewsbury. North Wales Crusaders play Hunslet. So at least one League One team guaranteed to get through. Halifax play Featherstone. London. Welcome Bradford. Rochdale played Barrow York. Host Newcastle, that's live on the Sportsman. And then on Monday night, Lee played Witness, that's live on Premier Sports. So the format of the Challenge Cup is there's 10 games this weekend. The five, no, the 10 winners, obviously, will then play the next round. So there'll be five games in the next round, right? You with me? Then the five winners from the next round will join 11 Super League teams in the following round because Toulouse aren't going to be in it. Now, 1895 Cup. Is you would because Toulouse have basically thrown a spanner in the works because last season it was you only had to get they had to get down to four teams to join the twelve Super League teams. Well, they've had to have five this year, which basically means you can't have a semi final with five teams. So I think what's happening is they'll draw two teams of the five of the five remaining non Super League teams. Yeah, you still with me? I think so. They'll draw them out of a hat and there'll be a playoff between two of them. To get into the eight ninety five cup semi finals, right? Right. So. So they get straight into the semi finals. So yeah. So the 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 win this week will play in the next round. Yeah. And then the five who win in the next round will be in the next round of the Challenge Cup, but they'll also be in the eight ninety five semi finals. But obviously they've got to get five down to four, so they're going to draw two teams from the five to play each other in a playoff. So you'd be pretty miffed, wouldn't you, really, if you were one of them two? Two, one of them two but that's what's happening I hope you stuck with that Josh is uh, looking, looking baffled here yeah. he's looking <laughs> how, can you, how can you say that's for um, a neutral I mean it's Toulouse's fault I mean they shouldn't give him the option of not playing yeah surely the Super League club should be in Challenge um, Cup but anyway Super League games this week the Thursday night Sky game is Leeds versus Castleford um, no it isn't it's Lee versus Catalan um, Wigan and Huddersfield also on Thursday night I presume that's because Wigan are in France aren't they the following week because Wigan are playing Catalan and Toulouse in back to back weeks yeah so I imagine they'll stay in France um, they're going on the jollies of Wigan um, which will be interesting uh, LKR play Casper that is the Sky match on Friday St. Helens are also playing Wakefield on Friday and then Saturday Hull versus Salford which is a very interesting match up there because Hull want to bounce back from that defeat to Saints but then having set you know, I read the piece Paul Cook wrote about this. I mean, realistically, I know Hull got... It was a pretty heavy defeat. Um, and we've talked more about other stuff than the actual match. But, I mean, Hull are looking at Saints at home and you're probably not thinking you'd beat Saints anyway. But Hull plays Salford. That is a game they'll be looking at winning. But for Salford, they might be looking at it thinking, well, hang on, we, we, you know, we've got two out of two here. If we beat Hull this weekend, Salford might be thinking, actually, this might be a good way of us saying, well, actually, 
we can we can finish at the top part of these mid-table teams, not at the bottom. Um, so I think that's a, I, I think that's arguably the most interesting match of the week. I think so, Hull's biggest concern is their attack. I don't think Josh Reynolds has really stood up for them this year. Now they're going to be without Luke Gale for five games. I think they look lost. I know they were down a player, but they look lost without Luke Gale on attack. It was well, it was Jake Donner as well. Obviously, he'll come back. Um, I think I've seen some people say they, they miss Connor in a fullback. I, I mean, to Mavavi as well at centre. I think he adds a bit of something um, to them. I, I sort of feel like they've maybe lost a bit of. You know, they've got Houghton in the middle and Johnston's in there and another do it. I, I think them three players, them three hookers, are all quite different. Mm. And and I part of me wonders whether is that part of the issue they've got as well. They're not hundred percent sure what their identity is in that in that middle area. But I honestly think that whole Salford game. I think that's the the most intriguing match of the weekend. Um, the other one on Saturday is Toulouse versus Warrington, which isn't on TV as far as I'm aware. Um, there's no TV deal in in France, or there is, but it doesn't show every game. Um, Warrington should probably come away with that as a with a win there. It's the first time they've ever played in a competitive match to lose um, and Warrington actually. Um, what do you think? Uh, hopefully this week we'll pass with no disciplinary uh, issues, Josh. That- maybe, maybe maybe the fact there's only two games on TV might help because. You know, there's not the spotlight there's not, as, there's not yeah. as much spotlight um, that'd be nice now the players have had two weeks they've been shown right you can't do this and you can't do that so let's not do it if a player's injured don't touch him if someone kicks don't lift your boot yeah and I think you know and I think that's an important thing I think the RFL basically they've made it clear now haven't they with Levi, Levi's ban and, and Gail's ban if a player's down injured you can't pick him up or touch him or do anything now you know clearly I've never played the game you know, to any you know to any sort of level ever, right? I don't know, and I'd be interested in hearing players' views on this. Players in a match are obviously so pumped up, they're so fired up. They'll do things like that in a split second without thinking. Like you know, Levi's not doing it. He, he, he's so fired up, and he's thinking, "Oh, I've not hurt you. Get up." You know, he's not. He's not. It's not. Um, it's not a premeditated action from Levi to do that. It's just a bit like a. You know, I don't want to say it's banter because that's wrong, but you know what I mean. Like, if you see someone and he's gone down, you're, like, oh, you're not hurt. They'll try and pull him up, and I think it's going to take some time for players to adjust because in that split second, Levi's now got to be thinking, oh, actually, they've told us we're not allowed to do this, and that then means it's got to get into the conscience that they don't do it. Players will do it as well because I think we've seen more of players sort of going down, hoping for some sort of official to. If it's on TV, the official will look back at it, won't they? With with the video ref. I think Johnny Lomax might have played played it a little bit. Yeah. Because then, then he gets the chance of the ref having a, a look at it. So and, and that play acting thing needs to be clamped down on. But yeah. I think it's very... And, and, and it annoyed me a little bit that people criticise the referee about that. Because how is the referee meant to know? He sees that incident once, right? How is the referee meant to know that whether a player's done something wrong or whether it's play acting? There's got to be some responsibility from the players to yeah. be honest and be and play the game in the right way. Um, and again, like I say, with there only being two games on TV this week, it might help because there won't be as many of them incidents where players are lying on the floor. And um, you know, I, I, I travelled to the game on Monday with BBC colleague John Lawless, and he was saying, "Do you remember the other year when the the crusher tackle?" They, they put big punishments on the crush tackle and all of a sudden everyone started going down and was like rubbing the back of their head or the neck or whatever and that soon stopped after a while so hopefully we've just been embroiled in you know 
in a couple of weeks of chaos and hopefully it'll all pan out um, in the upcoming weeks. Here's the good, the bad and the ugly from the past week. So this week, Josh, for good, I'm going Jay Field. We're calling him Jay Field now, not Jai Field. Yep. Jay Field. I four, think four tries, six man of the, man of steel points, two man of the matches. And, and you know the the pace he showed, the tries he scored. Um, I did see an interesting clip that someone had clipped up on Twitter actually of a real clever bit of fullback play where Tyndall had broke down the right hand side and Field was almost sizing him up. He was almost like a, you know, he was almost like a predator in the in the outback. Do you know what I mean? He was sizing up and he was like, right, I'm gonna. Slow down enough that means you've got to try and back yourself on the outside. Like Tyndall's not slow, don't get me wrong. And he's backed himself on the outside and feels just absolutely eating him up. He was jogging basically. next to him for yeah. that decision. And that was a superb bit of play. And I think that's the sort of thing that we want to be talking about. Superb bit of play. I love that try. That little try where they flipped the ball over there. I love that. I know it was lucky as anything, right? Practiced on that but, pitch. But it's just something out of the ordinary, you know what I mean, that happens and you think oh yeah and obviously you hate it when it happens against you but you clip that up you put it on social media and yeah. it, it, it looks great and like ultimately you make your own look you've got to have a bit of agility about you to, to be able to do stuff like that but <coughs> yeah Jay Fields me, me, me good of the week I suppose from, from a Wigan point of view and I tweeted this you know during the game on Friday Wigan have actually got three full backs now that could probably get in to most teams in Tupli in, in Field French and Hardacre now you could look at that two ways. You could say, well, it's horrendous salary cap management by Wigan because they've now got three players who are tying up, I, I would presume, a, a decent portion of their salary cap who all effectively specialise at, at full-back. Um, I mean, I don't know what the second view is. <laughs> the second view might be that you know it gives them options. Hardacre obviously can play centre. I wonder whether French might play standoff. You know, There's an argument, and, and I can't remember who it was who said, the argument is he's have your best players on the pitch. Wigan, when all them three players are back, obviously French is, you know, still still when French come back. Do you feel like Wigan can play them three players? Well, for me, they've got to play them all. You've got to. Matt Pete said yesterday in his press conference, he said 100% Bevan French gets in the Wigan side. So that's it. That's him saying he's going to get in. He's not going to drop field, is he? And and then and then there's Hardacre who plays the centre, which the other two don't. I mean, unless they try Bevan French in the centres, and we've seen him on the wing, but a talent like that is... I'm not saying wing is wasted, but to tell like Bevan French, I think he he needs his hands on the ball a little bit more than a winger. Do you feel French is better up? Do you feel like if they were playing one at standoff? Well, Field obviously <laughs> has, I think, number six shirt, doesn't he? So, mm. and I think he had that last year. So when they signed him, they thought right, he's going to be one of our halfbacks. Now and now, and you couldn't predict what happened to Bevan French, obviously with his injury and what has happened uh, in his personal life. So, but that's when Fields been able to show that he's a great fullback. So it has left him with a selection headache. Maybe you put French in the halves. Maybe you put Field in the halves. Tommy Lulawai to the bench. I mean, it's a nice problem to have, but certainly in the salary cap sport, it's uh, it, it it poses some dilemmas. But um, I've gone for the storm. I don't know why. I don't know whether I couldn't come up with any other bad things. I mean, there's a few ugly things, but for bad, I've just put the storm wiping out. Um, a couple of games at the weekend, Batley and Bradford, um, Workington's games off, but um, our friends at Barrow Raiders, you know, suffered some storm damage. So Barrow have um, been doing lots of good things on and off the pitch. They are they've been 
had a, a marquee that's been developed alongside the the grandstand there that's been turned into a real community hub um, very popular in, in Barrow they've been holding all sorts of events there it's enabled them to provide more hospitality it's enabled them to host more things like women's games and um, you know their academy side plays there and it's it's opened up so many new revenue streams for the club unfortunately the storm um, damaged it considerably damaged some perimeter walls and the chairman Steve Neal estimated the damage at six figures which is a uh, quite something but it sounds like the community's rallied round there was a big cleanup operation on Friday evening and Saturday um, and hopefully Barrow can get that repaired pretty soon because you know that that has been you know on the pitch they've started the season really well they've won three out of three but it's all that work off the pitch that's helping them to grow and be successful on the pitch so the storm is me bad for this week and all the best to Barrow there is a crowdfunder out there if you want to donate to, to help um, support Barrow get back on the feet and then the ugly We'll have to go for the disciplinary. But part of me wants to say the ugly is the players' actions. I think if Gale doesn't lead with his boot, if Hull don't tip the player, if Wellsby doesn't play around on the floor, and if Levi doesn't pick the uh, Mikey Lewis up off the floor, none of this fuss happens. No matter what you think about the RFL and the disciplinary process, it all boils down to that. Yeah. More responsibility on the players. Less on the RFL and the disciplinary and the referees and more on the players. Is that what you're saying? Uh, you know, I think it's their so. Pro- it's their product as much as RFLs. Yeah, and, I, and I think so. I, you know, and a final word on that. There was a brilliant piece in League Express this week with Steve Price, um, who's a Hunslet Hall of Famer, who's been diagnosed with early onset dementia. Obviously, all the best to him. And he said how we all knew when we played rugby league what the risks were. And he's not going to be part of any legal action which tries to take money away from the game that he, that he loves. And that is a great attitude, I think, to have. You know, all sympathy with players who've, you know, suffered with concussion, dementia, whatever it is. But, you know, obviously technology and whatnot has advanced considerably since the likes of Steve Price were playing the game. Um, you know, and that... That take that legal action is a massive cloud for the RFL at the moment. So it was refreshing to see comments from 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 someone like him. And like I say, we wish him all the best. We'll move on though now to the big interview part of the podcast. George Riley has caught up with Ryan Brearley this week. Um, Brearley signed for Salford from Lee ahead of this season, and it's a bit of an emotional homecoming for him. Um, he talks a bit about his time at. Toronto Wolfpack as well and give some thoughts on uh, Toulouse but also as well what he's been up to as a player agent which has all span out a little bit from his time at the Wolfpack hope you enjoy this one keep up with all things rugby league 24-7 head on over to loverugbyleague.com Welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And this week's guest is a Scotland international with over 200 career appearances spanning clubs across Super League and the Championship and enjoying a sparkling and unbeaten start to the new season with Salford. Ryan Briley, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Really good. It's uh, been a decent start, so yeah, can't complain. It's been a fabulous start. It would have been... I would guess exactly what what you and your coach Paul Rowley would have been working towards over the winter months. Yeah, I think so. I think when you when you get embedded in such a a new 
uh, new system, new environment, new team, such a turnover of players. Um, you can you can you can fall guilty of a slow start and and getting to know each other and getting into the right systems and right methods. But um, but for us to, to to get two from two is is massive for us. So it kind of gives us a bit of a bit of a platform to, to build off and, and especially when you're learning new processes and new systems when you win um automatically you get a lot more buy-in and a lot more trust in the system um if it's if you if you're reaping the rewards so um yeah we didn't set any targets on on how many to win or uh, which game we want to win or lose we just thought we're just going um full steam ahead and, and, and try and win every game so um, really, really low key preseason in terms of goal setting and, and expectation. We just wanted to enjoy each other's company, um, train as hard as we can, and, and see where it takes us. Talk me through the conditions against uh, Toulouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, it, for, for me, I hate the cold anyway. So I, I, everyone thinks I'm a drama queen with with the cold. Um, but when when everyone, when you look around and everyone is shivering, shaking, I thought, well, it's not just me then. Uh, but yeah, probably up there with the, with the coldest I've ever been. Um, I think that the, the saving grace was when you look at the Aussies and, and understand how, how cold they are, kind of warms you up a little bit. So yeah, awful, um, awful condition. And I think like, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's a bit frustrating because the game plan and, and the stuff you've worked on all through the week kind of goes out the window. Um, it's just about your attitude and you just got to be able to flick the switch as such, make sure your attitude is good and um, gets in and sets. And luckily, we've probably got one of the most um, most dangerous and, uh, and most um, talented in terms of game management in, in Mark Sneed, who, who controlled the game from minute one. Yeah, talk talk to me about that that axis that you've got this year with, with yourself, with with Brody Croft and with Mark Sneed um, back at Salford. That's a, that's as strong as, as anyone could have. Yeah, I, I was excited by that, and it was a it was a big reason for me joining the club. I think um, I think Mark and, and Brod they, they complement each other really well. I think Brod is more of a runner, runner of the ball. Uh, Mark, obviously, everyone kind of knows what he kind of brings to, to suit the kicking game, game management, uh, skill level, um, composure, leadership. Um, and I I've been surprised. Not that I didn't think he was any good, but it, when you actually play with him you realise how good he actually is um, and makes you realise how successful he is, why he's been so successful um, in, in his, with his two Challenge Cup performances. Um, and and just being excited by being around him and, and learning so much off, off him and Brody, and Brody's are coming out of the NRL system. Um, it's been a really easy transition for me. I just kind of follow what they do and whatever they tell me to do, I just do it. So it's been really, really easy. Um, transition obviously and, and playing in, in Paul's system um, that's been that's been probably the benefit for me of where I've kind of been one up on them because I've I, I kind of kn- known what you what expect so been able to get into the to the, to the two two pivots uh, Sneedy and, and Brody um, and we're just enjoying it I, I, as you know you, you know Paul Rowley's team throughout the years that he likes to throw the ball around he's, he's trying to, to try new stuff and um, it suits them to down to the ground. They, they love it. So it's um, really enjoyable going to training, learning new stuff, picking out weaknesses and opposition. And we just, I suppose, we're just a few couple of rugby nerds enjoying each other's company and and, uh, and trying our best. Uh, yeah, talk to me about Paul Roller. You obviously like playing for him because you, you followed him around a fair bit. This will be your, your third different club, won't it, with um, 
with Toronto and Lee. What is it about him that perhaps brings out the best in you? Um, I, I think he, he gets me. Uh, he knows me a lot more, probably, probably a lot more than I know myself. Um, we, we did a, he, he kind of, a couple of weeks ago, he did like an AVA thing for me. Uh, through, he, had a, he had a family member who's into AVAs and um, basically I had to tick a couple of multiple choice questions. It kind of, it kind of gives a directive on how to manage uh, a certain person for employment. Um, and he knew mine off by heart before I even before I even got mine mine back. Um, it basically helps employers and what they should do in with in with your employees in certain situations if they feel if they're anxious or suffering you know, with your mental well being or whatever it is, um, and how to manage that situation. Uh, it, it basically helps uh, the, the the top the top employers. Um, and he had mine down to it. He knew everything about me. Um, knew how knew how I needed to respond. Knew how to praise me when I needed it. Knew how to criticize me when I needed it. Um, just knows me too well. I can't get away with anything. So just knows me too well. Um, knows what I like. Knows what I, how I like playing. Knows what I'll, what I'll buy what I'll buy into. What I won't buy into. Um, and just yeah. But I, I, there's there's no there's no massive magical tactical uh, team talk or, or inspiration he gives me. Um, he, he just knows me uh, a bit a bit too well for my liking sometimes, but he's uh, yeah he, he he just gets me. He trusts me, um, and I trust him. But it sounds like there's a real depth of of man management there, knowing how to treat his, his certain different players rather than look they, this is this is what we're going to play. So learn it. Oh yeah, it, for me, I think that's his biggest skill. I think he he'll openly say. Um, I, I I won't treat you all the same. I'll treat you all differently, and I, and I think coaches get mixed up sometimes. They go, oh, we're going to treat you all the same, even like the big stars. They'll go, treat you all the same. Well, you can't because everyone's everyone's different. Everyone's got different character. Everyone's different characters. Everyone's different, and there's a lot of people going through different stuff at different times. Um, so you can't treat people the same. And sometimes I think coaches use it a bit of a cop out as well, like and. Because I've never been at a club where they get treated the same. I've I've heard, I've been at clubs where coaches have said it, but it never happens. So Paul just says it out. He goes, "Listen, I'll I'll never treat you all the same. So I don't think if I've done something for one person, I'll do it for you all because I won't. I'll, I'll do it when I see fit." Um, and he, even just the clarity on stuff, the, the 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 black and white of the clarity he gives me and gives the team. There's no grey areas. So rugby players, as you know. We, we're very, we're not hard to please at all. We're just very simple characters who want to be told what to do and when to do it. And as long as we get that, we're happy. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not footballers, obviously. We don't, get, we don't want that preferential treatment. We just want to be told when and where and we'll do it. Um, and, and, and Paul certainly gives that. So when there's a bit of, bit of cloudiness in, in game planning structure, whatever, um, whose role, whose structure, he just simplifies it and makes it black and white. And then you, you know when you've messed up, you know whose fault it is, you know who's missed the role, you know who's not been been where they should be. And I think at the moment, the, the players are enjoying that. So I'm used to it, so it's not a big shock for me. Like I've, been, I've been under Paul for, for a while, but... Um, I think the, the the players have really enjoyed, it. and it, it was it was nice to hear. He invited all the um, the wives and partners to training the other day, 
uh, and I went I went upstairs to to have my food and and, all, and they was all talking and they were saying about how how much their their partner lost it that the the, the the boyfriend's husbands are coming home happy and understand that they've been giving clarity coming home from training. And you know, Joe, like that that's massive for for, for players to, to be coming back and being happy and they're not worrying about worrying about training, not lost, they're not not confused. Uh, when they can go home and be happy. Um, well, it makes life happy for, uh, easy and happier for everyone, doesn't it? So um, we're, we're in a good place. Uh, we might get a bit more into that one in a sec. Just just one more on your on your last match, because it was against Toulouse, who were a team I covered a lot last year when they were in the Championship. And actually, the way they played in the Championship, I thought last year they would probably be a mid-table Super League side, the way they were playing, albeit they've lost probably the two best players this year. When you look at the side you, you played against out and beat, do you think it's going to be a, a tough season for them, or do you think they can survive? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's early doors. Um, what I will say is, I, I'm a bit like you. I, I'm, I'm a bit. I'm, the way they played last season, uh, and, 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 and we're, not, we're not talking just results here. Are we were talking the style of, of play. What, what oh, they, they, were, they were fantastic to watch. Yeah, but unbelievable. And I don't know if they've. I don't know if they've come up to Super League and gone. We need to rein it in a little bit because. Of the, of the 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 opposition they're going up against, but I I regardless for us we always we previewed a lot of Toulouse, especially last year because of because how, they, how well they threw the ball around they, they take risks and um I just think they've taken away what they what they were really good at. But the, um, guys, who, the guys who were doing that, right? The guys who were chucking the ball about making the players were Mark Carrello and Jonathan Ford, and they're not yeah. in the team anymore. So maybe they've just yeah. to say right, this is us. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and that's that's quite difficult. So, so whether whether Sylvan has just reined it in because maybe now he hasn't got the personnel to to, to play that way, I'm not sure. Or whether it was whether it was Matt and, and and Jonathan Ford doing it off their own back and doing plays between themselves. I I, I don't know. So not been been in their system, but um, they, they have lost a lot of what they were they were good at, and whether that's through. Personnel with 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 Corella and Ford not being there, or the, some sort of tactical adjustment they've made, um, because what we previewed as Toulouse are very dangerous because we do, you don't know what to expect from them. They'll kick from anywhere, they'll offload, um, and we and again the conditions have probably helped us in that sense. Um, but when we were previewing the, the Super League games, what they played in, so that the the Huddersfield game the, the week before. And the Catalan game, the friendly they played, um, they've become very structured, very, very one out, um, very, very safe. And wh whether that whether that might improve going forward, they might get they might get more into the grind teams, and because um, they have got a lot of talented individuals, that, that's for sure. Maybe um, whether, take the shackles off is the best chance, maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and because I, I know. When I was at Lee last last season, we we tried to play safe early on, um, and we struggled with it. Whether because we didn't have the personnel, or whether the tactics were I don't know. But we we always felt more comfortable when we tried off. Obviously, especially the back end, we got some results by offloading, chanting our arm because you, you can't go toe to toe with these top teams. You, you, you sent Ellens, your Wiggins, your Warrington, Lee. You you physically can't go especially when you're coming from championship because you're not used to that physicality you're not going to become over the top of them physically and that's what they want you to they want you to come down the middle one out and don't and don't challenge them so the more you can you chant your arm and because you've got nothing to lose anyway 
So you, you get a, Toulouse get a free hit every week because no one expects them to win. So they get a free hit every week. So I just think rather than try and grind and, and do something what you're not used to, because that's, that that's going to take a while for, for them to change their whole philosophy on um, in, in a couple of weeks to try and get results. And maybe that's the pressure. I, I, I'm, a bit, I'm a big advocate of there probably should be no relegation that first year for, for newly promoted teams. I, 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 I've been there. I understand how hard it is to recruit and train for and, and get played. And it, it's awful. It's really, really difficult. Um, but it's, it's the way it is. It's the system we're in. I, I just think, I, for me, I'd like to, like what we did, what the mistake we made was probably too cautious at the start of the season. And I think Toulouse have probably done the same. And I, looking back now, I wish we'd have just gone L for leather at the start and chance in our arm and, and give it our best shot. And if it wasn't good enough, it wasn't good enough because there's probably a bit of an itch there, um, especially through pre-season where we didn't, we didn't offload enough, we didn't chance our skill enough, we didn't, we didn't test, we didn't throw enough for opposition. Um, and Toulouse have, be- have better individuals than, than we had. So they are able to do it a lot. And, and it's, it's their style. They're used to it. So it's um, interesting for sure. And, and I think once they get settled, once they get the, the, a half-back and a full-back in, I think they will revert back to that uh, expansive style, which we all love to watch. Um, let's talk about you for, for a couple of minutes. You're proudly wearing the, the, the Salford colours and the badge the badge on your, on your chest. How good does it feel to be back at... Uh, well, I say back, I mean, you're there, you just made your home debut, but uh, as a kid who went to the Willows, how, how good does this feel now? Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, the, the hardest bit, George, has been trying to rein it in. That's been the, the hardest challenge because every week there's a group chat made of all my family going going to an away game or going to the home game and it's there's 20, 30 people in this group chat and... and I always said, don't put me in that. Don't put me in it. I always, I always had to remove myself out because you get fired up and you get emotional because like, they're all singing songs on the, on the way back from the away games and on the minibus. And um, you, you can kind of create a pressure on yourself. Like you don't, like, of course, you don't want to lose, but you don't want to keep letting your family down, um, your family and friends. And, and that I've just had to be, be smarter. Because I'm a bit older. I've probably handled it a lot, a lot better, better than previous years. But just to, just to hold back, um, and understand that I've got a job to do as well. So as much as the, the euphoria around it's great and um, it's been brilliant to, to see people in the stands who I used to stand with um, they, and they don't know I remember them, but but I do. And even like yesterday when I scored and behind the sticks, they're all there. And, and I've, I've stood with them um, singing Solved songs. So they won't remember that. But for me, that means a lot because that's my childhood. That's what I did. That's That was me. That, so every... Every week, I, I remember my, my school teacher used to go mad because um, they used to say, "What did you get up to the week?" And he had to write what you did on the weekend. It was always, "I watched all went to the all went." So he said, "Did you not do anything else?" I'm like, no, just went watching Salford. Um, so I, it, that it means a lot to me, and and to have that support now, and when and when, when you hear him singing my name, that's that's mad. I'm sneaky. Walked past me uh, after the games there and said, "Don't, don't cry, don't cry." <laughs> like, I was just like on my on my way, but um, it, it's massive, it's special. And, and I think what what I will take away from from this this sport and, and rugby league, as you know, doesn't give you a lot in terms of when you finish playing. Doesn't it doesn't give you a great deal um, because I, for me, I always think it's the memories and and and, and friendships you make throughout sport. Because in rugby league, there's some great people. Um, 
And I think for, for me to be able to say, I, I set out a dream when I was a kid um, and when I played against Casford last Friday night to, to tick that box and, and say, well, I achieved my dream. I don't think anyone can take that away from, from me. So when, when I, obviously, well, I know we'll talk about it in, in a bit, but, but I'll say I like to go into like uh, agency and mentoring people. Um, I'd like to be the one to stand there and go, well, you know what? I give my all. Um, and my dream was to play for Salford and I, and I did it and, and I achieved it. So I think that that for me means more than any sort of medal and trophy and um, contract for me, that, that means anything because to, to give that moment to my family, especially on last Friday night against Castleford, to give my family and friends that moment, um, it'll be something I can, I'll, I'll never be able to give them in terms of contracts money trophies um in the world so for me that that's probably the most uh, important um moment and blessing and feeling to take away from my career and, and no one can take that away from me it's, it's honestly it's so good to hear the passion that that, that you speak about this and, and fulfilling your dream and, and also the fact that you've got i mean you've already alluded to you've got your head screwed on because i mean you're only what you're 29 are you now yeah. and you're still very much thinking about what next I mean you've probably hopefully got at least five years left playing I don't know but you're already thinking about what life might look like after league which everyone has to do yeah yeah um, I did my master's degree a couple of years ago um, and, I, and I've never really I, I kind of changed probably over the last six months but I've never really wanted to be a coach or I never thought I did because um, I didn't think I was clever enough to be a coach in terms of <laughs> in terms of tacti tactically and, and rugby league sense, uh, even though I love I love it, I didn't think I was good enough in terms of and um, that's coaching side of stuff. Um, so I wanted to be involved in like, the business side of stuff, so like recruit uh, player recruitment, um, CEO director type stuff. Like to be involved in the in the, in the background of a club. Um, that would that would be probably probably the the next step. Um, but when I was when I was doing the the degree, I, I kind of branched into a bit of management agency type work where Carl's going through a bit of a tough time in, in my career at Toronto, um, not wanted, um, going through a bit of a nightmare, um, not being trekked so well. And I kind of thought, well, I'd, I'd never want, I'd never want any of my players to go through that, what I had to go through mentally more than anything, the mental stress and, and to see, uh, to see your, your, your family um, in tears because of how you've been, how you've been treated. Uh, through through sport was like how is that right um, and I had no answers for him uh, it was just a case of they want me out they're going to try try anything they can to, to, to get rid of me uh, and and some of the stuff was was, was horrendous what, what I had to go through totally underhand and, and, and not fair um, so to, to see my mum struggle with that it, I just think it, it bang, it's bang out a lot. I, I know we all sign up for sport and I can handle the stuff on Twitter and, and the trolling and the fans. It doesn't, doesn't bother me one bit that. But when your own club tries to do anything they can to, to get rid of you, um, that this, that that wasn't fair on, on, on my family. And seeing my mum in, mum in tears about that, that's just, it's just not right, is it? So um, I kind of always thought, well, I want to be the guy who helps that player if it ever happens to them. And 
so I set up obviously a, a sports management um, business probably two years ago now. Um, and luckily enough, Corey Patterson, um, an ex-teammate of mine, he, he knew a lot of the Man City women's footballers in uh, his cafe quite a bit. And um, Steph Horton um, said to him, do you know any, any agents? Because one of our young players want, just left their agent. She wants to wants an agent. Also, it was Jess Park from, from Manchester City. And he said, actually, yeah, I know a guy's setting up an agency, blah, blah. So it wasn't wasn't meant for women's football at all. Um, but after speaking to Jess, and I, and I, and I mentioned, so listen, I'm a, I'm a professional rugby league player, so in terms of time and attention, I don't know how much I can give you. Um, and she said, no, no, I want you to do it. And I was like, all right, well, that's, are you sure? And she was like, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? If I don't take this opportunity now, I'll regret it. Um, so took took Jess on, uh, and to be involved with a club like Manchester City straight away, which is a a far cry from uh, from rugby league. Let me let me tell you, um, to be dealing with them sort of people straight away was like daunting and mind blowing at the same time. But loved every minute of it. Uh, she she she's been with us ever since. Uh, got six or seven players now on the books, um, and it's something what I want to carry on uh, throughout my career and, and see where it goes. Again, I'm not I'm not totally convinced that's what I want to do for the rest of my for my of my career or life in sport um very open to a lot of stuff i, I like them as you know Joe, i like the media I, I do like that sort of stuff with, with yourself and um love, love the, the time on sky sports love, love just love the way they present themselves and and um you put you getting your suit on you getting your blaze on for, for sky sports doing all the punditry I, I love all that. That, that that's brilliant um, just being able to talk rugby for, for a living, I think is great. It's probably the easiest job in the world. So um, lo- love all the media stuff, um, get to watch games and analyse and get real, get real deep into some sort of action and, and players behind the scenes. And I love all that. Love the agency stuff. Um, and I, I, had a, I had a brief chat with, with Rolls the other day. I just asked him if I could be, if I could be a coach, well, I, do you think I've got the right mindset? He went, 100%. He went, uh, you're really smart. And you're smarter than you think. Um, I'd love you to be able to go into that, into that path. So it might be something I'll, I'll tickle with it a bit later on in my career. Again, I'm not going to go real deep into it just yet. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to have a, a lot of options. And maybe a bit, of, I, I like the, what, what Kev Brown's doing, I suppose, a bit, a bit of everything. Um, as long as I stay involved in sport, which is, I think is, it's all I've ever known. Uh, and I'm happy that I've got a, an outlet in, in, in other, another sport, obviously in football with, with the agency. Um, it keeps me separate from the rugby and not, not bogged down with with the rugby league all the time. So um I'd like to think I've put myself in a in a decent spot where I can kind of explore a different different few different options. But um media agency is is probably the angle I'd probably go out for, for now. Uh, I have a huge amount of of empathy for for what you just detailed, what what you went through at, at Toronto, you know, the mishandling of situations by an employer is something that you know that I've really been hit by as well and, and what people don't see is the impact on the person and their family and you know it was it's quite hard actually listening to to a lot of what you said there but but very very powerful just as a final thought uh, as we come to an end um, of this chat uh, I like to end with a a love rugby league life lesson if you like you know you clearly adore this sport and you've given it so much what do you think rugby league has has taught you that that serves you well now in in life as a whole Um, I think probably probably two two 
two lessons they kind of go, probably go hand in hand is the first one would be don't trust anybody I think that's the, that's the most important thing um, and then what I will say is the people you do end up trusting are probably the best people you'll ever meet um, and I think that's probably the it kind of goes hand, goes hand in hand and kind of contradicts a little bit but the people you do decide to trust on the back of being cold and guarded initially the people who, who earn your trust through rugby league are the best people you'll ever meet um, because rugby league isn't going to give you that um, that footballer mansion set up for life it's not going to give you that so the friendships the memories um, and putting a smile on your your family's face by by making them proud and by uh, by achieving success. And when I when I say success, I don't I don't mean trophies and grandfather. For me, I just think it's your family, your, your kids um, watching you in games and 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 knowing that you give your all. I think that for me that that's the real success. Right, you've been a great guest. Um, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Podcast Network.